this is truly a community effort and, and we have the community behind us, which I think helps extraordinarily. Welcome to episode 443 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Ryan Marcatilio McCracken here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Today, Christopher talks with Brianna Reed-Harmel, Fiber Manager for Loveland Pulse, and Lindsay Johansson, Marketing and Communications Manager. The network in the city of 79,000 is just finishing its first year of construction, and they share with Chris the history behind the birth of the network back to 2014. They talk about what success would look like in five years and what it has taken to become a valued local broadband utility for residents of the city. The group talks about what it takes to make the magic work and how they're connecting with Fort Collins and Estes Park to share costs and bring efficiencies to all the municipal networks in the region. Now here's Christopher talking with Brianna and Lindsay. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. Today, speaking with uh, two folks who are probably also looking out their windows at some snow on the ground, I hope, we're going to speak with Brianna Reed Harmel, uh, who's the fiber manager at Loveland Pulse in Colorado on the Front Range. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. And we also have Lindsay Johansson, who is a marketing and communications manager at Loveland Pulse. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. So for folks who may not be familiar, um, we have covered Fort Collins, which is north of you, I think, and uh, done a lot of work with Longmont over the years, which is south of you. And you're right in the middle of that beautiful area. Uh, but the first thing I'd like to ask, and I'll ask you, uh, Brianna, uh, to just start off. I'm actually usually ask you what the location's like. We're going to come back to that and we're going to jump into something more exciting, which is let me ask you what success looks like in five years if your municipal fiber network you know, hits all of its goals and you just do a stellar job. So we're just in finishing up our first year of build out and for success for us is um, really going to be becoming the uh, provider of choice uh, in our in our community. Uh, so this is the biggest project that Loveland has ever undertaken. And from day one, we've really been committed to becoming Loveland's local trusted communication utility. So for us, five years from today, um, we're going to have service past every home and business in our entire city. And uh, we'll be done with our first phase of construction, which is inside of city limits and moving on to the second phase of construction, which will be the areas that we serve outside of city limits. Um, which includes an area up the uh, Big Thompson Canyon, um, which is an underserved area that we serve electric to. So we'll be hopefully through with that as well. Um, Service-wise, success is going to be really exceeding our take rate projections. Uh, Back in October, we unveiled our initial take rate for the project since we've been launched for um, several months at that point. And uh, we did that because we wanted to uh, be transparent and really strive for that commitment to transparency and understanding on our community. They have a lot of expectations for us uh, and a lot of trust in what we're doing. And, and we wanted to make sure we were giving that back. So for us, that's, it's really going to be becoming, becoming that trusted local utility that we are, we're striving towards. That's wonderful. And I know that there's a lot of stress in the early years and it can be hard to be open. So I really salute that and the, the dedication to, to transparency. Um, let me ask you, Lindsay, um, you know, maybe perhaps from the perspective of, of your position rather than the community as a whole, but uh, what are you looking to do? Like, not just like sort of numbers, but what will make you think, you know what, those five years really were worth it. I'm, I'm really glad that this, we did this. 
it's the little stories for me. It's because I'm the one that I do a lot of community events and talking to people at tables and, you know, farmers markets and um, different corn roast festivals that we have. Um, so it's all those little wins hearing the community say that, you know, we made their life better. We, you know, provided customer service that they've been waiting for from an internet service provider, you know, really kind of being unexpected for a service provider. I think there's kind of this expectation already of like what internet, your interaction with your internet service provider is like, and we're here to change that. And so hearing those little wins and stories in that, in that way is for me, what, what makes it worth it. Excellent. Let me, let me ask where, where were you before this position opened up? I come from the power side. So I started in power operations back in 2009. So I've been with Loveland Water and Power for over 10 years now. So power operations, public service for over 11 years. Great. And and Brianna, what what were you doing before this all came along? Um, I was actually in power operations as well. So I was was a senior electrical engineer for our department um, uh, since uh, 2012. And uh, have, you know, took on this project as kind of a side side thing that's turned into something much bigger. But yeah, that's my, my background is um, engineering in the power industry. Public power, it's, it's where to be. <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting because, it, so Chattanooga is, is sort of fascinating and it's a, it's a something that everyone talks about because they do such good marketing and they do a great job also. But there's a lot of stories behind Chattanooga most people aren't aware of. And one of the things that I love is that it was, it was some of their EEs, their electrical engineers, um, that were doing the work and figuring it out and kind of transitioned over and, and helped really make sure that they had the inside expertise. Um, and so when people ask me, what are we looking for, you know, in the right employees or something like that? One of the things I always say is you want someone who's just hungry for this, that they're really enthusiastic. And it seems like that describes what, what we're seeing here in Loveland. Yeah, we're, we're definitely part of the electric enterprise. So we're, you know, the, the communications business arm of, of that utility. And it's, it's gotten a lot of support. And I, I think that for me, at least having a background in public utilities and electric utilities in particular has been really helpful in uh, transitioning over. I, I mean, I, the business is different, but the parts and pieces are similar and the purpose of community broadband is similar to um, public power and it's been um, it's it hasn't been a hard transition from a I don't know a mentality perspective from that angle. Now let's let's just talk a little bit about Loveland. Uh, I, I presume that like other parts of the Front Range, you're seeing everyone on the planet trying to move there, and it's probably growing pretty quickly. It seems like a popular destination. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah, we are a growing city for sure. We're just over just around 79,000. But within the last 10 years, there's definitely been a population boom. We're a little bit older, a little bit more of a senior community, but we're definitely seeing the families, small families demographic grow here. So a lot has been changing for our community over the last 10 years. And as we talk about that time period, can you just walk me through with a thumbnail sketch? Um, um, let me start with you, Lindsay, and this is something that, Brianna, you may want to add on to. But um, how did this go from being you know, something that um, perhaps people heard about Longmont doing um, to you know, the community getting engaged? What was the, what was the point at which then Loveland, Loveland Water and Power um, then also decides to look seriously at it? And, and sort of how did that develop? Like, what were the beginnings of this project? Um, It really started with some of our community members and our city council and and Bree's been a part of the project 
since the beginning. So she's probably, she could probably talk a little bit more to those early discussions um, versus when I came in a little bit later in the project, but. Yeah. Um, so this goes all the way back to like 2014, 2015 and our city council was getting a lot of um, discussion or calls from our community about uh, connection issues and just not having a real good competition in the marketplace in our community and so they do a planning session at the beginning of each year uh, during their retreat and uh, looking at things that they wanted to focus on for the, for the upcoming year. And in 2015, Broadband was identified as one of the topics that needed to be addressed. And we decided that the best thing for us to do is really to start with uh, Senate Bill 152, which is the Colorado uh, bill that pre- prevents governments and municipalities from participating in broadband. Um, we need to do a 152 override, which basically exempts ourselves from that requirement. And so that, that's really what kicked it off. But there was a lot of movement in the community. We had a lot of grassroots citizens, groups uh, that were really pushing to expand access. And I think Longmont certainly is uh, one of the reasons for that, the success that Longmont had seen. Uh, they were um, well into their build at that point and seeing really great success and the question came up, why not, why not Loveland too? Why, why would we not want to do the same thing? No, I, I'm curious about this and because there's a hundred cities or local governments, some of them are cities within counties that have also um, exempted themselves from 152. And many of them have not done anything. If we go back three years ago, in fact, I was just, you know, when, maybe when I'd be visiting Colorado, I'd be thinking about Estes Park, Loveland, Fort Collins. Three of you seem poised. And I was thinking, yeah, it'd be great if two of them did it. And <laughs> and I'm curious, in your case, I'm not excuse for speaking else, but what pushed it over? This is a question that I got recently from someone which said, you know, what go, what do you, what, what takes it from a few people being interested in it? You know, having some interest on the city council, some interest in the utility, some interest among the citizens what takes it from that to being something that you actually commit to as the largest project in the in the history of your city i think there was a a concern about being left behind i mean we're we're in the center of fort collins and um estes park and and longmont and you know we're kind of in the heart of that those three cities and we you know we we compete on economic development things um although we partner a lot as well and if we were surrounded by all these communities that had gone forward with community broadband, um, we would not, you know, we, we, we wouldn't have the same um, desirability as a community. And we work really closely with those communities um, on the power side, which is, you know, kind of the backing for all of this. We jointly own our generation and transmission provider. So we're already partnering on a regular basis. We have a lot of shared infrastructure already. And so it was, there was just a lot of, I think momentum across the Northern Colorado region um, because of the proximity to these other, these other things that are going on. Lindsay, I'm curious, was there work that you've had to do marketing for the idea before it was rolled out or was this something that more or less um, was done by, by like just activists and things like that? No, there was a fair amount that, so Brie actually brought me onto the project in about May of 2018 and at what I was tasked with at that time is council wanted to do a very aggressive community education and outreach campaign because we had been looking at broadband since 2015 for so long. And there was the Senate bill 152 override. 
there was a lot of confusion in our community about where exactly we were in the process. Had we voted for broadband already or had we voted just to talk about it? Um, and so council, our city council felt like there was a lot of confusion around what we were really looking at doing and what this undertaking really would look like. So uh, we did a very extensive about eight month education and outreach campaign, um, pulled out all the stops. Um, it's actually something that we received some national recognition from. Um, we received several awards from city government um, communication organizations and even um, from the Public Relations Society of America on the national level. So we had to do a lot of work for that. And I, I think that helped to kind of raise awareness to the community about what the project would look like and then really set us up for success. So once we did have the green light for the project, we knew we had pretty good understanding of what our community knew about the project and broadband and what we were offering. And so it really, it really set us up nicely for, for starting the utility, I think. Now I'm curious how it's how it's rolling out. This is uh, this is it is ambitious. You are um, maybe the sixth or seventh largest municipal broadband project in the country, probably by a number of premises that you'll be passing. Um, how are things going? I think they're going pretty smoothly, um, considering how big of a project it is. I mean, <laughs> um, we you know we're we're plugging away every day, um, making progress towards construction. We're signing customers up from a construction side. It's um, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of success. Yeah. Brie, Brie calls it magic. And <laughs> I think it's, I think it's cause we have, we have the dream team right now. We have a really good group of people that I think are in it for the right reasons. And I think that makes a huge difference for us because as a communicator myself, it makes my job so much easier to have people that are there and willing to do the right thing and get things done for the right reason. But um, as far as feedback from the community uh, overall, it's, been really good feedback. Um, you know, there's the typical stuff that you'll hear with construction and some confusion around, you know, this is a brand new network and there's infrastructure that has to be placed out in the field. But I'm surprised how many people actively seek us out to tell us positive feedback. Um, that's not something I come from the power side. That's not <laughs> something that always happens. Um, but yeah, honestly, the biggest thing that we hear is uh, when is it going to be available? When can I sign up? I can't wait. And so, um, you know, a lot of our work is around really trying to manage those expectations for our community and do the best customer service we can of letting them know that, you know, it's it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a three to four year project and it's going to take some time. And, you know, you may need to find another provider in the interim to take advantage of a deal that they may be throwing out there, but we're coming for you. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. Lindsay talks about how, you know, it, it I, I joke about how it's a bit of magic, but really it's, it's all comes back to the planning piece. Um, yeah. After we had our go ahead from our city council and at the end of 2018, we took a year uh, just setting things up and planning and getting our ducks in a row. Um, and before we even started construction and, and launched into, uh, you know, the physical side of being in the community with, you know, digging in front of people's homes, trenching, disrupting traffic, all of the things that go along with that. And um, I think that that has really helped us in, in how successful we are now that we're actually in, in the community. You know, we put together communication plans um, plans for how do we talk to our customers. We did a lot of training with our contractor prior to them even being in the community to make sure that they knew what they could 
what they should say, when they should kick it back to our communications team for more information, that kind of thing. So there was a lot of planning that went along with that. I think sometimes I'm I'm hyperbolic about trying to get people ready for how hard these projects can be. And right now I just feel like maybe I paint way too dire of a picture because when I look at you, Brianna, you just seem very calm. And some of the people I've talked to, you know, in year two, three, you know, of a project like this, you're you're um, posting huge numbers in the red, right? Because you have few customers and you're spending almost all of the money you're going to spend. <laughs> so it looks bad for people that are trying to malign you. Um, you know, then you have to deal with maybe contractors that aren't making it or vendors that aren't having, that are having bugs. And I feel like people are sometimes pulling their hair out. Are you experiencing any of that? Or is, are you like um, this sort of the, the, the analogy of the duck on the pond where everything looks calm up above, but underneath the, the feet are just churning away and there's all kinds of disruption? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> I, I think I have a little bit more of a glass half full approach to the world. Um, and then I also need to keep, I, I keep reminding myself that, you know, the, the long-term, you know, that this is, this is a short-term thing. And I, you know, it's funny, you mentioned about all the red, the red on the, on the balance books, but yeah, I was just looking at this this morning, like, Oh, that's a lot of red. <laughs> but That's normal for this time of our, of our development. And, we're not going to be in the same situation in a, in a few years. We're on track for where we're supposed to be, I guess. And I have a great team that we work with and um, it's, it, that makes it a ton better too. And it's, it, it really is a team effort. It, it's, it's not just the broadband utility over here in the corner of the, of the municipality. You know, we get a lot of support from, our city attorney's office and our public works department for right-of-way permitting and inspections and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, it, it, this is truly a community effort and, and we have the community behind us, which I think helps extraordinarily. I wanted to ask um, with these other projects that are going on around you, Estes Park and Fort Collins, uh, what are you doing uh, together in order to try to keep costs low and share some um, some of the the challenges that um, you know, like fixed costs, you might be able to share? Yeah, I, I mentioned that you know we're we're all part of the same um, Platte River Power Authority family, which is our generation and transmission provider. So we have a, a strong um, I don't know history of working together on where areas that make sense. And so we, we've really translated that into the broadband side as well. And so we're, we're sharing our knock support. So we pooled our resources there so that we can have um, a more robust knock um, from the get go. We're also sharing our transport um, out of the region because we're so proximate to each other. And we already have fiber that already connects the communities from our power side, um, something that was uh, put in place many years ago to support uh, SCADA systems on our electric side. And so we're really leveraging that and utilizing that to, um, to share costs and, and resources. Um, the other is because we talk to each other and because we have this great partnership and relationship, we, we talk all the time. And so we're constantly talking to our counterparts in the neighboring communities. What did you do here? What didn't work? What did work? Um, and just bouncing ideas and, and lessons learned. So it's, it's really helpful to have partners as you're going through this process. So you're not, you don't feel alone. And, and as you're going through it, I'm one of the things that we see is that often earlier in the process, you're not doing a large marketing campaign, Lindsay, I'm guessing, because it's painful to market to people that you can't sign up for another two years. And so I'm, I'm curious, what sort of things are you, are you doing? What's the, what things should someone who's going to be doing this in two years, what should they be preparing for in these early years from a marketing point of view? 
Uh, from a marketing point of view, I would say get a good feel for your community and their understanding of what you're doing. So, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in the beginning just educating them on what internet service really means for our community and, um, you know, what broadband is. We had to start there. Um, what <laughs> we mean by phone service, it's not mobile phone service, it's voice over IP and, you know, that type of stuff. And, um, so there was a lot around that. And then just um, a lot with the construction side, you can do yourself a favor and start to um, reach out to your HOAs and develop relationships with them, pull together some education pieces around right away or however you want to do that. Um, that's been where a lot of our efforts have been. And yeah, you're right. We're, we're not doing big marketing campaigns because you know it's not available to a majority of our city now. And if we're doing that blasting everybody now they're going to ignore us after a couple of years because we're just dangling a, something in front of their face that they can't house with a, a closing question then i'm curious if there's are there any lessons you've learned any ways in which you've you've changed uh an approach you thought you would have and you had to pivot a little bit uh, along the way so far i think one of the biggest issues that we've had um lately is actually related to uh our 811 call uh, one call system. Uh, so it's the the locate call center. And a lot of people don't have a, a good understanding of what locates are. And so when you show up in front of their house and you're starting to mark up their, what looks like their entire front lawn and their sidewalk, um, you get a lot of questions around that. And then we've also had a lot of uh, questions around who's responsible for that infrastructure, especially if it's uh, like a private irrigation line or a private service line of some sort. And I think that that's one of the biggest lessons learned um, for us over this last year was trying to get ahead of that and trying to do an education around, um, around what that means. I mean, there's lots of little things here and there, but that's, that's probably the biggest thing. Cause you, we're doing, we're doing directional drilling um, because we're, we're an underground utility. So we don't have a lot of overhead poles to begin with. And so all of the new infrastructure we're going in is going in underground so that runs a lot of risk of hitting other other things, and um, especially with HOAs. And Lindsay mentioned that um, private irrigation lines can be a big issue and can be very expensive. And if you're going into a neighborhood and you're damaging their their, their irrigation line, and then you're expecting them to sign up for service, that that's a that's a problem, right? You, you, this is all about customer service at the end of the day. And if you're coming off with a really bad first impression. Um, I think that that's the biggest lesson there for us is that from the first time you interact with that customer during the construction phase, that is the first feel for what your utility will be like. Your customers will develop an opinion on whether or not they want to sign up for you later based on that interaction. Is the, uh, when you said that it popped a question in my head, which is, is your own city frustrated with you uh, because of drilling holes in the streets in order to um, go past other utilities and things like that as you're, um, as you're doing the directional drilling? I know. Um, but the reason for that is because we did early engagement with our right of ways and streets department, um, probably 10, 12 months before we even started construction, we were in talking to them about what we needed to do, setting up process and protocols for how do we control this and and really engaging them early and often and making sure that they felt um, that they could come to us at any point and um, 
redirect the way things go and, and really have that open dialogue that that's really has made that piece very successful. Excellent. It's good to hear. Too often people assume that because you all work for the, the same city, ultimately that everyone gets along. And in my experience, there can be real challenges across departments. <laughs> Lindsay, do you have any uh, concluding comments? Uh, anything that, that sort of has surprised you along the way? This is fun. It's an adventure. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, it's been a lot of fun. And how often do you get to be a part of a utility from the ground up? So it's, it's a great opportunity. It's something that I'm very excited to be able to bring to the level community and be a part of. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it. And this year has been challenging for everybody. And if we can launch a utility in the middle of a pandemic, it's magic. We can make it happen. So it's only up from here. <laughs> you said uh, from the ground up, but technically speaking, I think your utility is mostly from the ground down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> well, thank you both uh, for, for taking the time today. There's a lot of things in there that we, um, I think the audience will be really interested in that we haven't touched on before um, exactly in that way. So uh, really appreciate your time and wish you luck. Looking forward to checking in um, as the project progresses. Thank you. That was Christopher talking with Brianna Reed Harmel and Lindsay Johansson. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 443 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.